couple of things coming up in the life of our church. We're two weeks from today. We will have an outdoor service, and uh, it's at 10:30. And so we'll be out in the green space to my left. We're uh, we want that to be Watkinsville T-shirt day. And so you dig through all of uh, your cabinets and uh, house and find your favorite Watkinsville shirt and wear it that day. If you don't have a shirt, guess what? We got one for you. And uh, we've, we've cleaned out all the closets and cabinets and, and uh, out in the cove area of the commons, a lot of shirts, a lot of different sizes, and uh, you could... Uh, Dig through those and find you one to wear on the 29th. We'll be outside for that 1030 service. And then uh, the first Sunday of June, Vacation Bible School starts. It's the biggest week on our property of the year. It brings together hundreds of servants, hundreds of kids. Uh, we see people throughout the year baptized where the seed of the gospel was sown in their life during Bible school. They make a profession of faith either, either that week or later after that. Some of you in this room have a testimony that Vacation Bible School was a time where you trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we're praying for that. We need your help. We are doing a lot of planning to be prepared. But every year, uh, it's usually the same. Last year when we started, we had 100 kids show up that were not registered. And so we need people that are waiting in the shadows to step in and serve in a lot of different ways. The main teachers will be set. Uh, leaders of groups will be set. But we, we will need you in a lot of different areas, whether that's a small group uh, a leader, which basically you take care of a group of kids. It's the rotate stations and uh, a lot of different ways. And, and the way you do it is to... Uh, scan a code, I think maybe it's right there behind me, yep, so you can scan that with your uh, phone and register from there, or there are cards just like that screenshot there out in the commons area, you pick up one of those and it'll take you to a spot where you can register to help us with Vacation Bible School and then pray, pray for the week, pray that God would work mightily and take care of us and just uh, make that week all that he wants it to be. And um, we don't want to go into it without prayer for sure. Is Scott in the room somewhere? Where's, is Scott make it in this? There he is. Scott, can I get an amen? Is, we, is that good? That's what we need right there. Scott, uh, he, he, he needs you to come alongside him for that week. Well, four weeks of May, um, we're taking time to do a series of messages that maybe looking back we'll call it the re-series. What we're doing is taking four words and putting at the front of each one of those words the prefix re. That prefix means to do again, to do over. And there's some things that God has put in my heart for this month of May that I feel like we need to say again, we need to visit again, we need to do again. And it's a lot like a team in spring practice where we're working hard to get the new players in the right place. We're working hard to get the old players in shape. And we're working hard to get all the players on the same page. And our eye is toward the future. 
our eyes toward the harvest. Uh, we're saying some things in May that I believe will bear fruit in August and September and October. And we need to talk about them now before we scatter to a lot of different places. And, uh, you know, it, we, we get into uh, August or September and some of you are going to be thinking, you know what I really want is just a garden, fresh, red, ripe tomato. That's what I want. And you're going to walk out back and there's not going to be any. And why? Because you didn't plant any seed. And you can't expect a harvest if we don't do something now. And that's what we're doing now as a church family. We're looking at some things that I believe will make us a healthier church and give us the joy of being a part of a great harvest in the fall. Last week we took the word... Well, let me ask you before I tell you. How many of you... Uh, remember what word we used last week? Re what? Anybody forget that word from last week? Can make me lift my hand. Um, sometimes I ask me, so what you? What was it last week, preacher? You you preached? I don't remember. Seven days passes fast. We we can we can uh, we can hear a sermon, say a few amens, think that may change our life, and all of a sudden it's Wednesday, and then it's Sunday morning, and we're back. It's another sermon, and we're back just over and over again. Last week it was the word remind, and we took the verse Galatians six nine and become a special verse in my heart this week and I imagine for many of you be not weary and well doing for in due season you will reap if you don't give up if you don't faint today I want to take a second word and it's the word view and put the prefix with it re review and for several days I've asked the Lord is there something that you would have us go back to something you would have us review is there something you want to say again, something you want to do again, something you want to call us to again, something you said before and we just filed it away, kind of like there was a sermon on to the next one, but you would be saying, Lord, hear this, and just praying this week, and, and almost immediately the Lord, it was like this one thing, this needs to be said again, this needs to be reviewed again, and when I say that, I mean I'm talking literally about a particular sermon. And it was in the May of 2019. And it was Mother's Day. In May of 2019, I stood before you in a similar fashion that I'm standing before you now, even though we were in the life building, not the same room. But it was, it was a call to something. And I'm back today, and I believe it's the one thing that God would have us at this time looking toward the future we look back and he said I want you to review this again I want you to do this again and that is I want to stand before you today and call you to be a people of prayer to be a people of prayer now 
when we talk about being a people of prayer, what I'm talking about is the practice and priority of prayer. That we would have a fresh commitment. We would have a new involvement. It would become a right at the top priority and an everyday practice for us to be a people of prayer. Now, if in some way you hear that and you say, the pastor's talking to us again about prayer and there's some kind of letdown, there's some kind of, you're, you're deflated in a way, you were hoping for something more. If that's the case, then for us what that is is evidence that that's exactly where we need to be. That we need to have in our life the view of prayer, the experience of prayer, of that it's, it's, it's not something that's just tacked on, it's the something. It is it's the thing. It, it's when you see Jesus beginning his public ministry, where is it? He? He's in 40 days of prayer. You see Jesus at the end on the cross, Father, forgive them. Where is Jesus today? He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. It was his life. It was his conversation. It was his community with the Father. And I'm saying to us today, myself, I'm, I'm in here with you saying we've got to be a people of prayer. We got, we've got to be a people where prayer is a priority. Prayer is a practice. It's not something that we just say is good and important, but it's something that we would say, that's, that's my life. Let me ask you, if your prayers for your family would come true today. God just said, all right, here it is. I'm going to answer your prayers for your family that you've been praying this week. What prayers would come true? If the, God said, here it is, now's the time. What you've prayed for this hour at Watkinsville, I'm going to grant. You get what you asked for this hour for your church. Let's stretch it out. You get what you, this coming week, what you've been praying for your church family, you get it. We're going to do it now. No more waiting. It's now. What would happen in our church in this hour if your prayers for this hour came true? What would happen this week in the life of our church if your prayers for our church family came true? What would happen in your family this week? Now, many of us would have, we, we, we might have to say, I'm not sure I would recognize it because my prayers have been very just general. Lord bless us. Lord help us. Not very specific. You might say, I haven't really been praying for our church, or I haven't really been praying for my husband, or praying for my wife, or my parents, or my kids. I, there wouldn't be anything to answer because I haven't been praying. Others would say, That's, that would be so encouraging if God would do that today, this week. I need him to come through now. I just ask those questions, raise those questions to try to help us to take some inventory of what our prayer life looks like. What it involves, what, and, and, 
I don't, I don't mean, I'm not asking you if you're having a quiet time. I'm just I'm asking, are you praying? Are you talking to God? Are you in that, just going through life, praying without ceasing, communing, communicating with him, listening to him? This message in May of 19 was a message that took us to Judges chapter 6. And I want us to go back there again. The Old Testament book of Judges, Judges chapter 6. I wonder, were any of you in the room May of 2019 when we talked about a, a prayer effort called Gideon's Guard? Anybody? Raise your hand. I want to just see. Anybody in the room? All right. Maybe a third of us. Um, Judges 6 and 7 tell the story of Gideon. He was a, a warrior for the Israelite army. And the Israelite army was, they were being harassed by the Midianites. And the Midianites were not killing them. The, the Midianites were coming. They would let their crops grow and they would come in and steal all their harvest. They would let their livestock grow and they'd come in and take all their livestock. And there was this repeated thing where they would work and there was effort and there was fruit and the Midianites would come through and take it all away. Even to the point where you see in one of these scenes where they were trying to hide what they were doing. And they're in the, Gideon's in the wine press and he's actually working with grain instead of grapes. He says, look at verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the Terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And don't, don't lose that. He's spoken to, he's called out. He said, This is what you are. You're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. What might? This might of yours. It was... God had spoken to him and called him out and said, this is who you are. You are a man of valor. Listen to what Gideon says. Verse 15. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. Today I'm standing before you to call you to prayer. I'm standing before you to call out a group of people that would come to be a part of a praying army. I want to ask you, if you would take on the mantle of responsibility, answer this call to be a prayer for families and to be a prayer for our 
church family. And maybe you'd listen today and you'd think of yourself as Gideon thought. I'm weak. God's not going to hear my prayers. If you knew my track record. You may be sitting here and you think there wouldn't be two people in this room that would know my name. You might look around and say there are people in this room that they're like Bible drill champions. I mean, they just, you call out a chapter, they're there already. You're, you're like, there's so much Bible knowledge. There's so many people have been at this place a long time. Listen to what God says to Gideon. Man of valor. You think you're weak. You think you're small. You think you're not able. Here's why you're able. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I'm thinking that in this room today, and this goes back to the last hour that we just had in this hour just now, that God would want to take you and say to you, I'm calling you. Not because of some kind of track record that you have. Not because you're known. Not because of your knowledge. But because you know me and I'm with you. I'm asking you, I'm calling you to be a prayer warrior for families and for your church family. There's something that our church needs. There's something that our church family needs. Our church needs prayers. Our church needs some people that will take it on themselves to say, God, we can't be the church you want us to be. We can't be the church this world needs us to be. We can't see a harvest, God, if you don't come through. And I'm, I'm coming to you with that call on my heart to say, would you join this army of prayers to be intentional prayers for our church family? And there's something that our families need, our earthly families need. There's something that moms need and dads need. There's something that kids need and parents need. There's something that your neighbors who are families around you need. And they need some people to get on their face before God and pray. And I'm looking for that army. I think it's what God wanted us to review today. That he wanted us to go back and say, I've called you before. I'm calling you again to pray. Well, when I think about what we did in May of 19, why Judges 6 and Judges 7? Look in verse 1 of chapter 7. Judge 7, verse 1. Judges, Judges 7, verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me. Let me read that phrase again, all right? 
The Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. That's a strange statement. It's a strange statement because you would think he's going to say the army of Midian is so big, I need all these people. But he says to the army of the Israelites, there's too many of you to fight this war. That's a strange thing. He says, there's too many of you to fight this war. He says, the, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Why? Lest Israel boast over me. He says, if, if you fight this war and you win, you're going to think it's because your army was so big. You're going to think it's because of your might. You're going to think it's because of your weapons. And I want to put you in a position that when you fight for me, that the only way to explain victory is that I came through. And that your boast is in me. And so this army of 32,000, how do we know it's 32,000? He goes on and it, it says here that, look at verse... Uh, Verse 3, now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then 22,000 of the people returned and 10,000 remained. He cleaned out the crowd, didn't he? And he took them from an army of 32,000. Immediately, 22,000 left. It leaves 10,000. You think, okay, we can go fight the Midianites with 10,000, but... Verse 4, and the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Take them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And, and, and anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go, every man to his home. Now, let's just get it out of the way. I know what we're all asking. What was the difference between those who lapped like a dog drinking out of their hand and those who knelt down all the way to the water? I don't know. And don't you hate it? You're like, Pastor, we're paying you for something. You got to tell us, you know, answers. We, we don't know. There's a lot of guesses. I had people after the first hour come and say, hey, I heard somebody, this is what they think, and I, they're out there. The story, we don't know. Maybe it'll be on our list when we get to heaven. This Gideon thing, Lord. Why did you, we got ideas, but he, he used it to, to reduce the army, and it gets from 32,000 down to 300, and then he sends them against the Midianites, and their, their weapons are trumpets. And they blow their trumpets, and it confuses the Midianites, and when it confuses the Midianites, they're defeated. And I want to take that picture of God reducing the army, doing something that could only be explained by God, bring us back into January of this year where we talked about spiritual armor. In Ephesians 6, 
We talked about the spiritual armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel, the sword of the spirit, helmet of salvation. And he, he gives all of that armor. And then after all of that armor, he says, and pray. In all things, pray, pray, pray. And, and, and I'm coming to you today and I'm saying, it would be awesome today if 1,500 people all responded and say, put me in. I want to be a warrior in prayer. But here's what I'm asking. 30. 30. If God wants to raise up more than 30, certainly God can do it. But I'm asking, God, would you give us 30? By the time I lay my head down tonight, would I know there are 30 people that would say, I will go to war in prayer for families and for our church family. I want to be very practical. This is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about 30 people. I'm talking about you picking a day or letting me assign you a day, however we can work that out of the month for the next six months, from now to the end of December. And for those six months, you would take a day and you would say, that's my day to pray and fast for families and for our church family. And you're fighting in prayer on that day. So why does the end of the year? We, we ought to keep this going. We, you know how, if we don't put an end date on it, we'll get out there seven years and be like, what happened to that thing? You remember when we used to, we're, we'll get to January 1 and we'll see, God, do you want us to keep it going? But for the next six months, each month, I'm standing before you today to say I'm taking June 1st. I'm taking July 1st. I'm taking August first. I'm taking September first. I'm taking October first. I'm taking November first. I'm taking December first. And that's my day. So I need 29 more. You can text me. Some of you have my number. Text me. You can tell me the day you want. Or tell me, give me a day. You don't have my number? 706-255-3504. Or you can email me. Carlos at Watkinsville.org. pray in 2019 I gave you six items to pray I'm going to give you seven today they all start with F it helps me helps me memorize helps me to be able to bow before the Lord or go before the Lord wherever I am and I can remember these seven things before I give you those seven things let me make some observations of back in Judges again The first observation is is that um, 
they, their initial reaction was to blame God for the shape they were in. And God said, wait just a minute. You're wanting to know where I have gone. And what he called them out for in Judges chapter 6 was is that they had chosen other gods. When things went south on them, when things went negative on them, they were like, where's God? And God says to them, where's God? That's a good question. Where is God? Where is God in your life? Where is God in your worship? And he, and he calls them out because they had begun to worship other gods, small case G gods. They had idols and other things got their affection. Other things got their attention. And God was way down the list. And in our life, when we look around at our families or we look around at our church, if we want to broaden that out to other families or other churches, what God would say, look, am I number one? In your family, am I number one? It would be easy for us, and, and maybe you've done it, to believe that your life can be a success if you have a certain degree, you have certain possessions, certain home, a certain amount of land, a certain vehicle, a your, your, your body looks a certain way. I mean, you just, you're, you're thinking, and if I get all these things right, and God would come in and say, look, none of those things are going to make an eternal difference. How many times have we had just stories of people just say, I, I gave my kids everything. Look at it. You can see it. But then you, so where's God? Except God. And, and I just ask us today to look and, and let the Spirit of God walk around in our life and see if there's anything that has our affection over the worship of our Lord. Who's got the number one place in your life? When God comes to them and he says, first thing, get the idols out of your life. And the way we know what the idols are in our life is how we react when they're taken away. When that's taken away from us, where we turn, how we respond, how we act, shows where our idols are. Second observation, the enemy schemes to discourage you. He didn't kill the Israelites. He, here, they would raise their crops and there would be this production of fruit and they would come in and they'd take all the fruit away. They'd just ravage them and take their livestock away and take their fruit away. And everything they had worked for was just gone. And the enemy works to discourage us. And so we need to pray that God would be our number one affection. And we need to pray that the labor of our hands and the fruit of our labors would not be stolen away by the enemy. That's why we pray. Why, you say, well, why pray for families and churches why don't we pray for our nation listen if we prayed for our families and we prayed for our churches our nation would be right we need families to be displaying the glory of God God has given to us families to enjoy marriage but that's not the ultimate goal the, the goal of marriage for a believer is to display the glory of God you see it in Ephesians where he says Wives, submit to your husbands, and husbands, 
Die to yourself. Die as Christ died. And, and he says, this is the mystery of the church. He's, the, the, our marriages, our families, they're, they're a parable of the gospel. That's why it's not enough to just survive and check the box and just exist as a, as a couple or as a family. You have an opportunity to bear witness of the glory of God and the goodness of Jesus. The enemy wants your family to show something less than who God is and in their churches as well. And the enemy would try to divide us and distract us and discourage us so that the world could not see the mighty hand of God moving among the people. And so we would pray for churches and pray for families that God might move so his glory would be on display so that his tribe would increase, so that his family would increase, so that more would know Christ. Let me give you these seven words, and, and we'll make these available in the days ahead. But to hear them out loud, I, I want to ask you, number one, to pray for faith. Pray for faith in our families. Pray for children to be saved, for parents to be saved. Pray for there to be a growing faith. Pray for other families around you that their kids would be saved and their parents would be saved. And pray that faith would be the rock of family, faith in Jesus Christ. Pray for faith in our church. Pray, pray for us to take steps of faith, to live by faith, to see people saved. Pray for finances. One of the things that the enemy uses to discourage and defeat families is the division that happens over finances. How we make money, how we save money, how we spend money, how we give money becomes a source of contention in a family. It can become a source of tension in a church. And so I'm calling you to pray for finances, the provision of God. Pray for our church that he would provide what's needed to be able to do the ministry that he's called us to do. Number three, faithfulness. Pray for faithfulness in marriages. Pray for faithfulness, for sexual purity in relationships between husband and wife. Pray for families, for faithfulness to their vows and faithfulness to purity. Pray that, that God would win and that homes would not be defeated by pornography and adultery. Pray for our church family in the area of faithfulness. That we be faithful to our commitment. Be faithful as a follower of Christ to do the ministry that God has gifted you to do. This is a hard season for ministry. Every church we talk to across the South and in America is coming out of COVID. There's about three things that are the three big issues. One of those is the difficulty of, of, of people committing to areas of service. Pray that we would be faithful. Next is fellowship. A family needs fellowship. Maybe you could call it family ship. 
that we need unity in our families, camaraderie in our families, companionship in our families, intimacy and closeness, and the enemy would try to divide us and distance us. We need fellowship in our church. It's a spiritual work. We're going through days right now with lots of new people coming into our church family. And you look around and say, I don't know people like I used to know. And what we need is God to do a spiritual work of uniting us, making it possible for us to know one another, for there to be a sense of oneness and unity, that we're on the same mission, on the same team. Next would be fitness. Pray for the physical health of your family. Pray for the physical health of your church. We have people scattered throughout our church family right now that are dealing with major physical issues. And like John, like 3 John verse 2, we need to pray for health as well as the health of the soul. And then next, pray for fruit. Pray for fruit. We sow the seed of the gospel in Bible school. Pray for fruit. We preach the word. Pray for fruit. You teach in your classes or your small groups. Pray for fruit. In our youth group, as the gospel is shared and the good news of Jesus is shared, pray for fruit. Pray that there would be a harvest. Pray that the seed of the word would fall on good soil and bear fruit. And then last, and I'm really serious about this last one, pray for fun. Like, pray that your families would have fun. Life is so tense. Inflation, that makes things hard, doesn't it? Stock market's doing wonky things. You look around and you wonder about your jobs and your stresses and and Satan's like, man, I got those people right where I want them. And God steps in this morning and he said, look, I win. And and I'm not, listen, what I'm talking about when I say fun is I, I just believe for us as a believer, if we've got the fruit of hope and we've got the, the future of heaven, and we have our sins forgiven. That in the midst of even great difficulty that we can still rejoice and be joyful and laugh some. Some of you need to smile more. Right? You would, you would help the temperature of your home if you just smiled more. Those are the things we pray. And so today I'm just looking for 30. We called it Gideon's guard because we just set a guard over the month. We'll call it Gideon's guard. We need 30 for 30. And I listen to somebody in the room right now. You're saying, Pastor, hey, some months have 30. You just found your day, if you thought of that, all right? You just found your day. And there's not even six of those, all right? But that could be your day. Just I'll take day 31. 
Now listen, don't pick, don't pick your birthday, all right? You're, I don't, you're, you're not going to fast on your birthday. I want you eating cake on your birthday, all right? But pick a day, or let me help you pick a day. And let's build an army of prayers and be a part of something that could only be explained by the power of God. Now, let me pray over us, and we're going to go. Father, I don't want the, we're not looking for this to be an emotional, lighthearted decision. You know what you want to do. And I pray that you would just cement it into the heart and life of a, of a couple or an individual that they're to be a part of this army of prayers. Lord, I, I know the enemy doesn't want us fighting with the weapons of the warfare that you provide. And I pray in the name of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that the enemy would be quenched, the enemy would be bound, he would be limited. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up among us a praying people. Maybe it stretches beyond this 30, Lord. Would you bring revival? Would you bring an awakening? Lord, would you help our families? Would you help our church family? Would you let us be standing here six months from now just rejoicing in seeing what you have done by your power through the humble prayers of your people. We want to we, we, we want to follow you. We want to follow your step. We want to be hearing from you, following you, communicating with you. And you've paid a great price, Jesus, for us to be able to go before the Father. We rejoice in that. So please, God, have your way. Do your work. I pray we'd be an obedient people. In the name of Jesus. Amen.